Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest today is Heli Del Moral from CD Baby. But first of all, radio broadcasters want to limit royalties for the songs they play. Yeah, there's nothing new there. What's been going on since about 1940 is artists want to be paid for radio play. Now, you may think, wait a second, they get paid for radio play already, but that's not the case. Songwriters get paid, but artists do not. And the United States is one of only four countries that do this. The other three, North Korea, Iran, and China. They're the only ones that do not pay their artists for radio play. Now, to make it even worse, there's actually been a law that's been proposed in Congress called the Local Radio Freedom Act. This has been proposed twice before in 2015 and 2017. And the gist of it is artists already get free publicity, so radio stations shouldn't have to pay. And if they did, they would suffer severe economic hardship. Well, maybe. But on the other hand, maybe that's a good thing. Of course, radio has been declining in importance when it comes to music. So most artists, especially hit artists, really don't care whether they're on the radio or not. However, if someone uses your song behind a newscast or behind any kind of a program, an intro to a program, you still don't get paid. The songwriter gets paid. The artist does not. Now consider this. The Righteous Brothers have the most ever played song on the radio with You Lost That Love and Feeling at 15 million plays, and they never made a penny from the radio play ever because, guess what? Artists don't get paid. So this is a result of the lobbying efforts by the NAB. They've been really good because they've had deep pockets for a long time. That being said, there is a growing urgency to change this. And hopefully it will change. However, (laughs) this local Radio Freedom Act has to be defeated first. It probably will be defeated. But sooner or later, we're going to have to pay our artists for radio play. And even though there may be some economic hardship for radio stations, you know what? They kind of deserve it from the standpoint that they've gotten away since the beginning of time almost, the beginning of radio time, without paying. And you know what? Radio can use a shakeup, and this just might be the thing to do it. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyownercircle.com. Don't forget my online courses on mixing, production, branding, and music business success at bobbyosinskicourses.com. Also, get an expert analysis and objective opinion of your songs and mixes as a member of my Hitmakers Club. Go to hitmakersclub.com to learn more. Now, here's something that's pretty good. It indicates the health of the music industry, or at least one portion of it. And we all know that things are looking up all over the music industry. And one part in particular that just showed a very healthy increase is the musical instrument, or MI, portion of the business. And this is the retail and wholesale sales of not only traditional musical instruments, but electronic musical instruments as well. Some figures by Music Trades, which is kind of the unofficial Bible of the industry. 
fretted instruments, amplifiers, sound reinforcement, accessories, digital pianos, portable keyboards, they were all up by 6% over the last quarter. The only thing that was down, in fact, was home and church organs and printed music. Everything else was up at least a little. Retailers made about $3 billion over the last quarter, and this was up about 4%. doesn't sound like much, but it actually is a lot. It was actually the largest quarter for musical instrument retail sales ever. The fourth quarter is traditionally the most critical for music retailers. The reason why, it's about 40% of their yearly business, and this has been a real good one. Now, in fact, we also saw from the recent NAM that everything was pretty healthy. For instance, there were 115,000 attendees. There were 2,000 exhibiting companies that exhibited 7,000 brands. There were many exhibitors that said it was the best show in a decade, And they took the most orders in a decade. So this part of the business is doing really well. Most parts of the music business are actually doing very well these days. And this goes for the concert business. It goes for recorded music. It goes for publishing, just about everything else. It's very healthy right now and growing, which is a good thing because for a few years there, things were not looking very good. But now we're coming back. And I'd have to say that's good for everybody involved. Let's hope we keep on making money and we keep on spending it as well. Go buy those musical instruments. It'll make you happy. and It'll make a lot of people in the food chain really happy as well. My guest today is CD Baby's VP of International Development, Heli D. Moral. Before coming to the company... Helly worked in television as International Director of Marketing for ESPN and Univision, where he also won three Emmys and numerous Telly, Promax, and other honors for his creative efforts. In the interview, we talked about the strength of CDs worldwide, promotional tools for artists the CD Baby has available, the difference in markets outside the U.S., albums versus singles, and much, much more. I spoke with Helly via Skype from the CD Baby headquarters in Portland. Can you give me a little bit about your background? Sure, absolutely. So uh, I um, I was born in Venezuela, Caracas, Venezuela. If you've heard the news recently, you probably heard all the awful, uh, tragic, you know, tragic situation that the country's living in. Um, fortunately, I never got to experience any of that. I, I left when I was a kid, and uh, my family moved to uh, Florida, to Miami, Florida, uh, where my dad uh, was first as, as a worked there as a diplomat. And then eventually uh, in banking. And so we grew up there, you know, and um, I uh, went to uh, college and then I got an internship um, at PBS, uh, public television, started working in public television for a little while and then went over to a brand new TV station that was opening up in Miami that became the Telemundo Network. So I started there right at the beginning. Started directing live television, did a lot of live TV for many years, did news, variety shows, all sorts of things. Uh, very exciting. I was even a weatherman for a little while, so I got a chance to do a little bit of everything in TV. And then eventually I went over to Univision, which is the largest Hispanic television uh, network in the country. And I was there for another 11 years, and I ran the honor marketing and promotions department for the network. Um, so that was really a great experience. Uh, after that, I worked for Home Shopping Network for a while, and then I ended up at Disney, uh, where I was there for about 14 years, 
Uh, I was in charge of the international marketing uh, and promotions for ESPN. So I did um, out of Bristol, Connecticut, basically ran all of the international promotions for all, all of the networks. So that was really a great experience. And throughout my career, I really had a chance to work with a lot of artists. Music, of course, was a big component of promotions, uh, which are essentially commercials, you know, and then um, through a variety of uh, circumstances in life, I ended up in Oregon. And uh, now here I am at CD Baby, helping artists around the world uh, fulfill their dreams. So it's a, it's a very exciting turn of events. You never know where life is going to take you. That's been my conclusion so far. How long have you been at CD Baby? So I've been CD Baby since last year, not very long. Uh, I started out in September of last year. So this was a new position that was created. Uh, CD Baby has uh, been around, of course, and has a great legacy of over 20 years uh, serving artists. But um, more recently, uh, the focus has been on you know, our international growth and expansion. And I think that uh, the company has a, a serious commitment to international growth um, for a variety of perspectives. But really what we're saying is that the platform has been so successful in the U.S. that artists around the world are really in, in, in need of a solution. And we, uh, we have a, what we think is a really, um, really neat solution. And uh, so it, it's a product that exports well. You know, we don't have to ship anything. We don't have... Uh, to have warehouses or pay tariffs, you know, you open your computer, you turn on uh, the internet and we're there. So my role as, uh, you know, head of international development is bring this great product and adapt it to, uh, to the local needs of uh, artists everywhere. I know Derek Sivers a little bit, who was the, the founder of CD Baby. Yeah. And go way back to those days when he was part of it. But it's changed so much since then, and it's become an international vehicle that it wasn't at that time. You're apparently trying to expand it even more, but I'm curious as to how much of CD Baby's business is actually outside North America. Well, we're we've, we're growing a lot. We actually do a lot of business outside of the U.S., which is really exciting what we, I think what we can do better is in localizing that service so that artists have more access to our, our services in a local language, through local currencies, um, you know, payment methods. But we're doing a significant amount of business outside of the U.S., but our mission is to uh, grow that and grow that in, in an accelerated way. Uh, if you look at other companies, um, you know, I'll cite an example, Netflix, for example, whose revenue now is almost 70%, all coming from outside of the U.S., as you realize the, the enormous potential there is. Mm -hmm. So we're on our way. We're not quite there yet, but uh, we're, doing, we're doing significant business around the U.S., I mean, outside of the U.S., and um, our plan is to continue to grow that in the next uh, year. So when CD Baby first started, it was a distribution platform for CDs, which obviously has changed over the years, and, and now CD Baby is more of a digital aggregator, a digital distributor. That being said, internationally, are, do CDs still play a role in music distribution, more so than, than North America? To a degree, but I would say that there's a strong parallel between what's happening in the U.S. in terms of uh, the shift, the migration to digital around the world. There are certain markets that, you know, you could um, 
you could select as as outliers. For example, uh, Japan is one of them. Uh, in Japan, people still love uh, physical CDs as a huge huge market. Uh, I think it's fourth market uh, in the world for music, and people still love getting physical CDs. But I think in general, what we're seeing is a trend to the digital streaming. You know, even downloads, of course, that they were pretty hot a few years ago. That's that's changing into a, a model where you you pay a subscription or you know you subscribe to some some service and you you're provided basically all the, the music on demand. So uh, so that's our focus. Our focus is really is to you know we, we have sort of a two way business. Our our business is really delivering the music of our artists through as many outlets as we can, but also to bring in artists into those platforms. So we bring them in and we distribute their music. And the majority of that type of delivery right now and distribution is happening online through digital streaming. Now, see, what I always found attractive about CD Baby in comparison with other similar aggregators is the fact that if you do have a CD or if you do have an album that's going to go to CD, at least there's a distribution platform there where with other aggregators, you don't have that. They're digital only. So there's that option that CD Baby brings that others don't, at least not that I'm aware of. Are there others someplace that do that? You know, there may be. I'm not so sure. In our company, it's an integrated piece. In other words, we have we're, we have a sister company called This Makers that actually manufactures the CD, so it's all sort of done in-house, so to speak. But um, you know, we're much more than aggregators, and and I think there's uh, several other points that separate us from from other companies because we also offer a tremendous amount of information and tools for the artists for them to you know develop their businesses. And I'm calling it a business because I think most artists are now seeing their position almost as an entrepreneur and uh, they realize that having access to the same types of tools that the labels use is now possible through a service like CD Baby. So I think that's really separates us from the others. We we have um, tools like Shoko, for example, which is used by major labels that is available to CD Baby artists uh, and other tools of promotion. So beyond aggregation and distribution, which is now sort of becoming you know, sort of an, an easier way in some forms to do. Uh, we also provide a tremendous amount of information service. We have people that actually answer the phone and help you. Um, and so those things, I think, are really what, what, what stands us apart from, from others. Now, of course, you can get a lot of those things from record labels these days through their label services divisions. But the fact of the matter is they're expensive. I mean, you, you can get everything they do. You're just going to pay for it. That being said, I wasn't aware that CD Baby actually offered those type of services, the promotion services primarily I'm talking about. We do. We're very focused on providing promotional tools. Uh, again, our model is a DIY model. So what we do is in, in terms of, you know, where, you know, a label will, you know, pick one person out of, you know, a group and that selected person may get more of a, you know, customized approach to their needs. Whereas we offer the opportunity to to everyone. Uh, for, for me, that's in turn in, in many ways much more exciting because a, you know, the whole pick me idea where you have to sit in a crowd with a sign waiting to be chosen and picked, you know, and selected. We do away with that. You pick yourself, and then 
you have control of your own career. I think for people who are proactive, who who are energized by, by the possibilities, that's great news because you have these tools available to you to do social media, to do merchandising, to set up your website, to create links to your music, to you know have uh, download cards, physical CDs. I mean, whatever you need is really available to you. And we're seeking out and looking for partnerships all the time that helps us in, to enhance and to grow those services for, for our artists. I'm curious, are the needs of artists different in other parts of the world that you've seen as apart from the United States, for instance? Because I know what artists, traditionally what they look for here, but are they looking for different types of services or different things from CD Baby in other parts of the world? Yes, I would say that there are uh, there are a few things that really uh, I could say are different uh, in markets outside of the U.S., uh, one example is uh, information, access to information. In the U.S., because of the Internet and the quick access to information, we all sort of have sort of access to on how to do, and how to do things. I think because of the language barriers in other countries, uh, people need you know information available to them in their own language. So that's one thing. But in terms of the mentality of the artist, um, in the U.S., we tend to think of the U.S. as our market. Whereas in other countries, they they want to be able to export their music. So if I'm an artist in Brazil, for example, you know, Brazil produces a tremendous amount of music. It's a, it's a very passionate country when it comes to music. But artists there haven't quite figured out how to ex export their music outside of their own country. So they're seeing now, you know, a platform like CD Baby that opens up the possibility for them to distribute their music everywhere. And not only to get their music there, but for us, to then be able to go chase the money for them because that's a difficult part. You know, now you're playing in London. Now you have fans in Japan and other parts, but, you know, how do you even collect from these places, right? You would have to go and register yourself. I mean, it's just a tremendous amount of work. Artists are focused on creating music. So what we do is that we offer that back end for them and we go out and we register them with the local PROs and we collect the money. We go chase the money for them. And we pay them weekly, uh, which is one of the most difficult parts of this business. You know, anyone can tell you, well, I'll put your music on iTunes. But then going back and collecting the money and setting up the infrastructure that it takes for you to collect your money. We get money from iTunes on a Tuesday. And by Friday, that money is in your account. Wow. So it's a very quick turnaround. Nobody else can do that. And we pay on a weekly basis in 20 years since Derek Severs started the company uh, CD Baby has never failed one payment yet, so something we're proud about. Yeah, definitely. Is everything internationally run from Oregon then, or are you setting up international offices? We are setting up international offices. My office is based here in Portland, but I am constantly traveling. One of the things that I've done in this past few months, we've uh, almost doubled the size of our team. So currently we have a presence in uh, Brazil, we have a presence in Colombia. We have a presence in uh, Mexico. Um, we also have a presence in Argentina. And these uh, representatives are also managing neighboring countries. So that expands it into Peru and Ecuador, Paraguay, Uruguay, uh, uh, and some and, and all of Latin America. Uh, we have recently hired a rep in uh, based in Singapore to help us with the Asia Pacific region. 
we have uh, an office in, in uh, the UK uh, where we have several employees there. And I just added one more this week. Um, and we have a director there at director level who helps us with the whole region and the European uh, community. Um, and uh, we also have some relationships in Australia. We're working on relationships in India and Africa. And, um, and did I mention Canada? No. We're also, I just hired a, a rep to be based in Toronto, Canada. So the world is a big oyster. <laughs> And there's a lot of opportunities for artists everywhere. And, and we're basically seeking, you know, uh, geographic areas where we feel, um, you know, the artist community is really feeling that, that renaissance. And we're seeing that in many places across the world. I, I truly believe that the Internet and bandwidth has opened up tremendous opportunities, not just in music, of course, but if we're talking specifically about music, and how the artists see their own opportunities. So an artist in India now can, you know, be, you know, independent and doesn't have to be wait, waiting, he doesn't have to wait for Bollywood to discover him. He can do his own music, uh, upload it on our platform and be seen and heard um, around the world. So that, that's pretty powerful. I just came back from Singapore and Kuala Lumpur in December. One of the things that I noticed, and I have been noticing because I travel a lot, one of the things I noticed, especially over there, once upon a time when you would travel outside the United States, you would hear a lot of American music that were played. And, you know, you just walk down the street in a busy market or something, and you hear American music, American hits coming out. That's yeah. no longer the case. Now what you hear is local music, and it may have maybe a U.S. influence on it, but it's distinctly its own native music. And I thought that was so refreshing. It was like, well, finally, you guys are figuring this out. And like you say, I, I think they have the music part figured out, but not necessarily the distribution part. That's brand new. So yeah. you're right on top of it when it comes to that. So it seems. Yeah, it's, it's neat. You know, I've been traveling for a while, and like you, I've also noticed that. And it's, it's so cool because I think these artists are feeling empowered before you know, artists, they were, the artists were there. The music was there. They just didn't have a means to record it, a means to distribute it, a means to sell it. Unless, I mean, they depended on local uh, record labels and, you know, and, 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 you know, local companies that were, you know, basically doing the, the label services. So a lot of artists just didn't have the opportunity and the ability to distribute that music on a, on, you know, on a, on a wide footprint. But now I think it's so exciting. So what we're seeing is artists who are very interested in selling their music and and and, and more than selling the music, really sort of uh, exposing their music to a very local market so that they grow within the local community. And some of them, that's all they want. They really want that acceptance and they want to be heard within the local community because that's music that's very local and it resonates well. But then once they have that, they... They start looking outside of those borders and saying, hey, maybe my music can be enjoyed elsewhere. I'll give you an example. Going back to Brazil, Bossa Nova, you know, we all love Bossa Nova. In areas of Brazil, they, it's seen like, you know, like old music, like grandpa music, like not, not necessarily the coolest thing. Where in other parts of the world, we still love that, that you know, those rhythms. We find them romantic and just really enchanting in so many ways. So... They're seeing a huge amount of consumption of that music outside of Brazil. So 
So you're right. There is sort of a movement to localize more and to internationalize more. So we're seeing both of those happening at the same time. Okay. That being said, what are your prices like? Because now I know that Spotify and Apple Music, they adjust their prices for the territory. It's what the market will bear, so to speak. Does CD Baby do the same thing? Well, we're, we're, we're seriously looking at that right now. Uh, we have not done that yet because <clears throat> our platform, our technology, which goes you know way back, was built in a way that the, the tech piece uh, of the inner workings of CD Baby is holding us back a little bit from, from getting to that point. But we are in the middle right now. Actually, I would, I would say way past the middle now where the finishing stages are completely... Um, renovating and migrating our platform to a much more modern uh, technology platform that will allow us to do this at scale. Because you have to remember, we have, at this point, we have almost a million, we're 900,000 artists all over the world. That's a tremendous amount of artists. We have nine, our catalog is nine million songs, out of which we publish more than a million. So at that scale, to be able to implement uh, flexible pricing and all this, it gets a little tricky because we're uploading 3,000 songs sometimes a day in one day, right? So there's a lot of transactions that are happening uh, constantly. So for us to be able to manage that at scale, uh, it's, a, it's a task. But we're seriously uh, behind that because we understand as part of our regionalization process that this is an important component. And not just adjusting the pricing so that is, um, you know, it's in agreement with the local income per capita and all these other things, but also the payment methods, because not everybody has credit cards. Yeah. You know, Japan, for example, a very sophisticated country, but people are not, not everybody has a credit card. They go to a local store, they pay, they get a voucher, then they go back online and they use that voucher to pay. So it's a different, a different dynamics in terms of the economics and how those things work. So what our plan is for, for our international approach is to very much regionalize our information, our language, our currency, and, the, and open the door for people to transact with us using payment methods that are familiar and, and comfortable for them. Now, you mentioned before about language, and I'm curious... Does that mean that in each territory you're going to have a website, for instance, or part of the portal that's in the language of the territory? Or is that happening now? It's not quite happening now, but that's the goal. Our goal is to have, you know, and we're, we're right now considering a variety of models of what, what's going to be ideal and what's going to integrate best with our uh, current system. And perhaps it is a project that we take on several phases. So there may be a phase one, phase two, phase three. But the idea is to regionalize as much as possible so that if you're in the UK, for example, and you come into CD Baby, um, well, language, of course, will be the same in English with certain nuances. But you're also going to be able to see your uh, prices in pounds uh, at a local price. If you're in Mexico or if you're in, you know, in, in Japan, uh, so these things uh, are going to take a little bit of a while for us to get there. The other thing that's really, really exciting about this is that we are also planning to extend our customer service um, into international markets. Right now, everything, our call center is based right here in Portland, Oregon. 
but we have very exciting plans coming up to uh, open up a regional customer service offices. So we'll have people answering the phone with very specific knowledge to those markets, uh, working in the hours and time zones that are specific to those markets. And it's one of the things that I think our artists have been asking for. And for us particularly is one of the services that really sets us apart. We see that as a, as a, as a tremendous competitive advantage is the fact that we provide customer service um, of you know top caliber. So being able to regionalize that and bring our website, the information, the payment methods, the currency, and our customer service to a local level is really going to be the is, is our ultimate goal. This is customer service with the real live human, right? Not via chat. Live humans. These are live you know heartbeats uh, from all over the world uh, who not only are there to you, but our customer service people are most of them are artists themselves these are people who are passionate about music who are many of them uh cd baby clients themselves so they understand what you're going through and um you know they're very helpful as i travel around the world is that's the one thing i hear is like you know I, it's so refreshing to be able to pick up the phone and call and have somebody actually answer my question well, I, I know we've both been there where you try to get an answer for something online and the closest you get to a human is chat. That could work, but it's, it's not the ideal. Even to, uh, yesterday, I sent a, a package to the post office uh, via priority mail uh, just down the road here to uh, Salem, Oregon, and it's saying it's in Texas somewhere. And I'm trying to call and figure out how did my package end up in Texas. <laughs> And there's no way to communicate with anybody. So you're right. It's, it's hard. It's frustrating. Or if you do get into a queue where you have to wait an hour and a half, uh, it can be very frustrating. So we know that. I mean, and we know that artists don't have a tremendous amount of disposable time in their hands. Uh, they're either working or they're creating music or they're out doing gigs. So we want to be as accessible as possible. We also have online um, customer service as well. And, you know, so we have uh, very strict um, response times that we adhere to, and we handle thousands of tickets every day. So we have a very robust and very smart team that takes care of our artists day to day. So music consumption seems to be changing, or it doesn't seem to be, it is changing from the album model to the single model, especially thanks to streaming. Do you see that happening as well at CD Baby where people are more concerned with singles than they are with albums? Is it going that way or not? I would think yes. You know, yes. I think that it it is a consequence of the streaming model. I think that, you know, it used to be that, uh, and if you think about it in practical terms, if you're going to put together an album or a CD and put only one song on it, it made no sense, right? So people were used to think, think, thinking of our music as a package that came as an album where songs were related to each other. There was some sort of a thread, cohesive thread between all the songs. And I think that was a beautiful thing. And I think that's something that you can still have. But but there's a, a shift towards more of a releasing a single um, because, you know, that's, Music, in some ways, has become much more fast in the way we're consuming music. You know, I have this little fear, but that's just me, where I, I, I fear that music can, be, can get to the point where it becomes too um, disposable. And, you know, people listen to, 
you know, one song once and then the next song once and then the next song once because there's so much of it to get through, right? So, but I think the artists who are smart and, and who, who take their time in building an audience and a loyal audience get the, the, the types of fans who really appreciate the music and want to listen to it over and over again and begin to see how those threads of you know messages are woven between songs so the concept of the album i think is very much alive but it's up to the artist on how they package it how how frequently they release music and um and the creative thought behind how they create music now, is that any different internationally than it is from North America, for instance? Because I know our consumption model is definitely changing, but do you find that internationally as well? I think that international artists uh, are may lag maybe a little bit behind in, in North America in, in terms of how they see their music. Uh, but that's changing very fast. There's still, of course, throughout the world, you know, the labels are still there and uh, the whole A&R process is still very much alive. So I think artists are, are growing up in that environment, thinking that that's how they are, how they can do things. But I think the Internet and, and streaming is freeing them up to, to have more, more options. So if you still want to create an album and if you still want to put that together, and at CD Baby, we certainly welcome that. And it's, I think it's a very smart way to release music. But if you want to go the, uh, you know, single route, particularly if your your genre is like electronic music, for example, you know, those guys are cranking out songs like every other day. They got a new track. So for them, they just want to get a lot of releases out there and they want to put their music out and just get fresh content to people for for next weekend's DJ. So that type of genre, I think, benefits from that. So it's very much in the hands of the artist uh, to control their, their creative projects and how they how they guide them. Now, speaking of which, so it's what nine ninety five per song submission, right? Yes. And if you're one of those artists that does crank something out every other day, that can get very expensive. Is there kind of like a bulk option available? Well, we, we, we charge for an album, too. And an album, um, you know, we always have these uh, offers, so I, I forget exactly which is the uh, price for the album. So we have a single, and we also have an album price. Uh, the nice thing about either way you go is that it's only a one-time payment. So in other words, you submit your song today, and when you're 99 years old, that song is still on the CD Baby catalog, still being distributed, still being out there. So if you're an artist who creates a lot of music, uh, it, that's advantageous to you because you're not paying a yearly renewal fee. You know, this year you have 10 songs, but next year you have 100. And next year you have, you know, 200 songs. Now you're paying an exorbitant amount of, amount of money to renew and to keep those songs alive year after year. So I think the one payment model, you know, you pay one time, you're done with it. That's it for the rest of your life. And... Uh, we also pay back 91% of your royalties, so um, a modest amount of money that we that we collect in order to provide all the services, the collection, the payments, and everything else that we do. Uh, it's a very fair system, and I believe that that's why a lot of the artists that we have, 900,000 of them active today, they came, they compared, they looked around, they came, they went, they came back, and they're staying with us for that reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, last question, Heli. 
you have a wide background. Boy, you've done a lot of things and all sorts of different aspects of the entertainment industry. It's very cool. So you have a definite perspective on this, I'm sure, that's different than other people. What's the best piece of business advice that you've either learned along the way or maybe somebody imparted to you? You know, I'm going to bring that question to a music to the music artist because, you know, I think that, you know, businesses, of course, it's all it's, it's a wide uh, umbrella. But I was asked a very similar question in Brazil. We, we were at a conference and I was shoulder to shoulder with a lot of competitors and other industry people. And they were talking about blockchain and they were talking about how the economy is changing the world and all these things. My advice would be there are certain things that are out of your control and certain things that are within your control. And I would say to the artist, focus on creating great music. Just make sure that you're, you're creating music that resonates with those you care about and with yourself. Create music that you love and you're passionate about. There are going to be some people that are going to love it and there are going to be some people who are not going to like it. But authenticity is number one. We live in a time today where being authentic, being true to yourself and through your art is paramount. And if you can do that, you whether you know whether blockchain becomes a thing or not, or this comes and goes, whether CD Baby is here or not, your, your music is still going to be what speaks to people. So my my piece of advice for the musician businessman is your product is king and uh, put your heart and soul into it. Be obsessed. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyoinnercircle.com. To listen to other episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyoinnercircle.com, where you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and now Radio Public. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyownercircle.com, you'll also find a sign-up form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time. Bye.